0: All right, all right, all right, all right. So welcome, everybody. This is another episode of The Full Set. Um, my name is Dee, Dee Delgado. I'm your host sex with the most sex. And I am here with my esteemed colleague, Kenge Browner. Kenge, welcome to The Full Set. How are you? I'm wonderful. How are you doing, Dee? Dee? Madley, or whatever. Before we even get started, um, for like the past three years, I feel like I've been pronouncing your name so so incorrectly, like beyond incorrectly. Um, So that's actually going to be my first question: is Can we talk about your name? How is it pronounced, and what does it mean?
1: Yeah. So it means. What's pronounced in kangay. So just like three short American words in inside cane like walking stick or sugar cane and gay like happy or expressive and um it really is just a west canon name for like first daughter. so it usually means like a girl with much responsibility but the english translation because americans always need everything to have a direct translation is brilliant
0: thank you for that thank you thank you thank you and so i'm gonna go ahead and read your bio so that folks know who the fuck you is and how we getting into it. it. Um, so Nikenge Jazz Browner is an organizing director of Mothering Justice and as an organizing director Nikenge coordinates community conversations with moms of color to understand what the community needs are using their life experiences to, de- to determine what we ask of legislatures. Nikenge has an extensive background in community organizing. She served as a fundraising chair for Black Lives Matter Detroit she co-organizes a national community baby shower that specifically serves Black mothers. And before coming to Mothering Justice, Nkenge was employed as a prevention specialist for intimate partner violence and advocated for trafficking survivors who experience homelessness in Detroit. Nkenge believes that being a Black woman is a political experience within itself and organizing mothers of color will create the equitable so- society that activists can only dream of. Nkenge, welcome to the full set, Thank you. Glad to be here. Oh my goodness! So we talked about this off camera for a second. That, from what I know of you and your online presence, what do you think the surprises when you tell people that you work in policy and legislation?
1: I think that folks assume that one that I'm not very smart <laughs> based on like my chosen use of uh, whatever language and. The reason I, I feel comfortable when I use so much AAVE in my writing and in my everyday speech is because I really, really learned and mastered the English language and then I realized that it was like all just bullshit and pieces of stolen languages put together to create some nonsense. Um, but I'm able to back my shit up right and so I think people need to um, put black women in boxes, so if you speak this way then you must be from this type of neighborhood and therefore you have this type of job and this type of lifestyle, so I speak in a way that does not support what black women have always been told. If you wanna be successful, you have to look this way, wear your hair this way, speak this way. No one's gonna allow you to come into their school or come into their building and talk like that. And then I show up and you know, I don't just break the stereotypes for like what well, white people have told us, also for what our grandmothers told us about how respectful we are supposed to be. I break the stereotypes that we put on ourselves and the other, other black women are also in a room like but bitch, I wore a suit and you went here in a ten dollar wish sundress. And it's like, yes, that's your bad. Sis. You're like, you mind yes. your
0: fucking business, bitch.
1: Right. <laughs> and I still love you. So I think um the shock is there, but it's a shock about their own limitations and beliefs, right? The shock is not about me. Because I ain't getting shit shocking is that your own belief had you thinking you had to be a certain way. And now I'm breaking it down. So now you gotta reevaluate what's real and what's fake in your life.
0: Thank you. I'm, I'm muting myself as you talking so that way we can cut down on the background noise of you in the car and me and my little ones over here watching Yo Gabba Gabba. I don't know what the fuck is going on. This so real life, right? <laughs> it's real life. We in the midst of a pandemic and they just quiet. Okay, like you can know say so. Um, so on an average day, what do you prefer? Dick or donuts? And why did you entitle your self-published books as such?
1: I mean, if the average day is great, I would get both. Twice in the morning.
0: <laughs> yes,
1: um, but okay, you—you gave me this situation. Donuts you. on the dick. Donuts are because this is this was the thing. So I heard someone say a few years ago that they were on a diet of dick and donuts, right? And it stuck mm. in my head, and I started to evaluate that, like. And this is where the title of my book came from. I started thinking about like drug use, right? What makes somebody like a crackhead is not that they do crack but it's the behaviors, it's the dependency behaviors, is the I'll do anything for this shit and whatever. And I was like, what is your crack, right? Cause you don't do like crack rock, but what is your crack? And I was like, Bitch, it's dick and chocolate. What is wrong with you? Like you have no chemical dependency, but here you are, right. three right. in the morning, driving around Detroit with a dead phone and no GPS, right? And so- All for the dick. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then it goes into like, the food dependency, like the chemical balance, when I can't get what I want from like human touch or another person, I'm not going to binge eating and shit, right? And mm-hmm. so it's like, what, what, is, what am I constantly looking for satisfaction from? Either dick or donuts or dick and donuts, which are all great things in moderation, right? Everything's usually wonderful in moderation. And so it kind of came down to what is leading your life, dick and right. donuts.
0: I appreciate the explanation because I was confused. I was like, I thought she was a lesbian. <laughs> That's
1: a lot of I get that from a lot of people, and I always remind people like men think they own every fucking thing, right? They think they own dick, and it's like you don't. Cause right. what is this? A penetrative device usually used to enter a vagina. That is so many things. Relax on your I dick, have four right? dicks and in a drawer three.
0: by that definition.
1: Period. And I got fourteen. <laughs> well they get their own box but like I can't <laughs> that's the thing so a lot of people are always like why did you say that and, like because they don't own dick they don't own masculinity they don't really own shit but the implied power that we give them so right dick is whatever you ride to satisfy you sexually some people don't like penetration at all they still get their dick whatever they call it however right. they get it.
0: right no I appreciate that so so much um as a femme lesbian do you ever feel pressured hyper perform femininity to counter like feminists and lesbian stereotypes like I know as a fat person I do this all the time I have to be super femme you know I got I got all of this you know what I'm saying and my makeup and, and my pin curls just to like reverse the fat like to add on to my personality like you know right or so
1: that they can add the butt like she's fat but or she's gay, but... That bitch so right. pretty, ain't he? <laughs> like. Exactly. And so you like, you about to start the sentence with some bullshit or, or something that you mean to be bullshit, but I need you to round it out with something nice, right? And so I don't... I think I'm just a, like, hyper-feminine bitch by nature. I don't think I ever hyper-perform there, but I hyper-perform in other areas, right? So, like, I have to be extra with the housekeeping or extra... Witty or extra smart, and have this degree and do this because when the attack comes, which I know it's coming, when someone is saying something to whoever in my life about me, then I need them. I felt like I had to give my parents and other people something to kind of like defend my existence with, Mm, like, well, your daughter's gay. Yeah, like, well, she's gay, but 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 she has a degree, or she has a great paying job, but she does this, so. I do things, or I've done things in the past to add to that, but like when there's some internalized homophobia, some internalized femophobia that made me feel like, you know, well, maybe this can be attacked or I didn't even question the attack, I just let it happen. And then I needed to add all this, but I'm really smart, you know, on the end of it, so.
0: Yeah, no, I appreciate that framing. That means so much to me because it's like, you know, I hear that all the time, like, um, you know, you, you 270, you 280, where? You, you're you so fucking, it doesn't look like it. You're so pretty. Like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, like, I don't know what that means. Uh, but it's, I appreciate you explaining it from your um, perspective. Um, speaking of being fat, do you have a ritual for preparing and eating ramen noodles? Like, what flavor is your flavor? How many packets are you doing? What toppings? I just need to know all the things. Okay.
1: So I'm gonna tell you this, we gotta go into my childhood about ramen noodles. So my mama grew up in Come on, repress care. memories, come on. Yes, <laughs> so my mama grew up in foster care. She moved around a lot. Um, And one of the homes that she stayed in for about two years, for two years, my mother ate ramen noodles for lunch and bologna for dinner for two years. Nothing else except what she ate at school. And so through her trauma behind that, when we were little, my brother and I were little, she didn't allow noodles in her house or bologna with the red thing around it because she just never wanted to see that shit again, right? Um, and so-
0: That bar as bologna. Cousins,
1: right. <laughs> we had some cousins who, like, their daddy had money. He worked at the plant. And they lived in the burbs, right? And we would go to their house and they had ramen noodles. So in my childhood brain, I knew we were poor and we didn't have them but my rich cousins did have them. So I thought ramen noodles were a very rich people, like fancy upper middle class food, right? Like my whole childhood, I was like, oh, I can't wait to go over there and get some of them fancy ass noodles, right? And we would- Look at this bowl. Look at these sticks. (laughs) So I'm eating pasta and shit, right? And so that's when I first like got got used to it. So when I moved out on my own and was like 19, 20, I'm like, this motherfucker's 30 cents. You can get a whole case
0: of them, <laughs>
1: For $3. Exactly. And they never, like, it's not even real food. I don't know what I'm eating. It's great. So, because I'm a health-conscious, fancy bitch, I use half the sodium pack, right?
0: <laughs> Obviously. I need my feet swollen. Shut up. Go ahead.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I use half the sodium pack, three shakes of hot sauce, and curry powder. That's how I get, and I leave a little bit of juice at the bottom because I eat slowly, and I like to like mix it up, keep them moist.
0: Whoa, 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 whoa! You keep your noodles moist. You keep your noodles moist.
1: I do. I keep my noodles moist.
0: I got to. I can't stand no dry raggedy ass, bitch. You, you supposed to drain the you supposed to drain the water out of the noodles.
1: No no you have drained the water out of the noodles.
0: <laughs> said, I keep Where the voice. hot sauce gonna go? Where the hot sauce gonna go if mm-hmm, you drain mm-hmm, the noodles? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Go on. You know. Don't go, go on gourmet ramen.
1: <laughs> 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 if I get some cold shrimp from like a leftover from the night before, I will throw that on top.
0: Okay. Okay. All right. I see how you're living out here. So you once said that masculinity is not the sole possession of men. Um, what did you mean by that?
1: Yeah, so, um, and I talk about this in my book, but this is a thing that comes up a lot where men hit on me. Um, and it's not because there's anything great about me, just because men just wanna have everything. Um, and they they always hit me with this because I date studs or masculine identifying or masculine up center right. women. And they're always like, well, if you going to date a woman that look like a nigga or a man, why don't you just date a man? It's like, I don't have this conversation with them because they're not ready for it. Okay. They have so little, right? <laughs> they they make such a small impact on this world that their belief is they have to hold on to something. And masculinity is their thing, Right. And it's not. It's an energy. We all harness some of it to, to different varying degrees, right? And so women who are masculine of center, women who are masculine identified, don't necessarily want or desire to be men. Their masculine energy is just at a, height, a more heightened state than we're accustomed to women being able to display, right? right. So men really don't want to let that go. Because you better, like, you better
0: preach that word for people who make assumptions.
1: I'm just here to the Lord's. Okay. if if we take like if they didn't have their masculinity to stand on and they understood it just to be an energy that varies and that moves around and shows up in different spaces in their life then what would they have left right like and so challenging that is too much for them but when they come to me and challenge the idea of if you want a woman that looks like a man then why not just date a man just date a man then i have to remind them that you don't own masculinity. I'm not dating women that look like men. I'm dating people that have high masculine energy because that's what I'm into. And just because you're a man doesn't necessarily mean that you have masculine energy. You might feel like a bitch to me, really. So <laughs> just saying. So I are not going to do that. <laughs> okay.
0: All right. All right. Thank you for explaining that to me. Um, You know, because I was wondering and I read an article about the origin of the word stud. And we don't have to go into the origin, but um I feel like, do you think that there's an overlap between trans men and studs? Because sometimes I get the impression that the term stud was way ahead of its time.
1: So I feel like through what I've been-
0: Are you a studologist? How- That's really just what I want to know. No,
1: honestly, I am. Yes.
0: Um, I, try I, knew to on my degree, I knew it. But, I knew it. Yeah. <laughs> I knew it. <her. laughs> I think
1: um, from what I've been taught from the trans community and specifically trans men, I don't want I I wouldn't say that there's any overlapping. I think that both parties could definitely, you know, definitely usually possess a heightened amount of masculine energy, but I think two different different situations, two different identities, um, and I wouldn't want to, I feel like it would be not an attack, but it would be in some form um, I don't know, like not fully acknowledging a trans man's masculinity or trans man, not even his masculinity, but his personhood, his identity to right. say, well, kind of like a stud, you know, so right. I, don't, I don't see the overlap. I'm asking
0: because in, in my experience, a lot of stud lesbians. Um, that have since transitioned, which is fine. Like, I mean, I'm not here. I'm just asking, is there an overlap? Um, because I feel like they've, they have then come into their personhood, as you say, um, and then they've decided that they are actually trans. And so like, it's just been an interesting journey for a lot of my friends to see it. Like, you know what I'm saying? So I wanted to know from you, like, have you ever felt like it, it's very interesting because a, a lot of studs do identify as women. So I appreciate the framing around masculinity and who it belongs to and who it doesn't and i appreciate that so yeah. um speaking of men um we know that men all all of them is trash right so are such yes. trash does their socialization or identity as women make them trash lights and does it even matter at this point yeah so are there <laughs> yeah <sales>? <laughs> so i <laughs> felt like you was ready for that question <laughs>
1: Scientifically speaking, yes, stars are trash. Um, that's not my opinion. That's what the study showed us. Um, and yeah, so here's the thing. It doesn't matter because trash is going to be trash. And I do think that it's important to notate. So let me say this for the, for the straight women that are watching.
0: Okay, tell us.
1: Um, how y'all doing? It's been a while since we've talked. Um, so... A lot of times I get this in my family, even in my homegirls, and I hear it, I see it on the internet, where folks will say things like, men ain't shit, I'm about to get me a girlfriend, or whatever the case may be. And I always make sure I respond, and you're going to get played by a bitch over here. Because, (laughs) and that's what- I wasn't expecting that.
0: (laughs) I choked on my (laughs) chicken.
1: (laughs) Get your chicken out. Nothing is worse than getting played by somebody you don't really fucking like in the first place. Absolutely, because what, what's trash is masculinity. That's what we're talking about. The masculinity in men is trash, the masculinity in women is trash. My masculinity, no matter to what low, the per, per, uh, percentage, is trash. When I do trash shit, that's my masculine side showing up for the most part, right? And so it doesn't matter. There is no, there is no lesbian stud savior that's gonna save you from bullshit. If you fucking with fuckboys, If you fucking with somebody with a heightened amount of masculinity, you're going to deal with some bullshit. Some of it, some of it can be- I'm laughing because I'm like,
0: shout out to the four studs I've dated. And I'm like, oh, you a nigga in for real.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Some of it, they can grow out of it. It has to be their choice. No, no woman. I want to say this to both- um, to both help women, but like alleviate us of this responsibility. Nobody, no masculine person stops being trash because you that bitch. They stop being trash because at some point they don't want to be that nigga. That's it. It's nothing mm. to do with you. It's nothing like, oh, I ain't do this for my last girl. I don't give a fuck about that story. Save it. I don't care. I they do want to, they wanna
0: they, they change because they want to stop being trash. A they, word yeah. from our sponsors. <laughs> <laughs>
1: And they decided, right? They don't decide it looking in your eyes. They decided when they at the strip club for the mil- millionth time and realize, nigga, I'm at the strip club on Christmas Eve. This is fucked up, right? They learn it when their grandmother isn't around anymore, and they realize that like there's nobody that's gonna make them make their plate and keep it up or whatever, and keep it in the microwave until they get it. Or give them realizes- the big
0: piece of chicken.
1: Exactly. You don't get the big piece of chicken no more. When you go on family vacations and you get the back room because everybody else got families and you the last nigga that's talking about what's on the floor tonight because everybody's forty. okay? So (laughs) that's when they decided, not when they fucking you, not when they looking at, not even when they looking at their kids. None of that. It's in that moment where they by themselves and they realize maybe I don't want to be here. So what do I need to do on a logical level to not die like this? It's nothing to do with you, sis.
0: This is wild to me. I just, it's it just, it's so wild to me. Like I had never considered uh, that. Well, I have considered it. I, I've seen the conversations about how like people should stop separating toxic masculinity from masculinity, right? Um, because yes. we're conflating the two things. And, and I, I just never thought about it that way. Um, I actually shy away from a lot of the conversations surrounding masculinity because of my own identity. You know, everyone has always been like, you just, you gotta be the nigga in every relationship. And I'm like, I do. <laughs> I say, I'm very femme presenting, absolutely. But I, I, I'm, I gotta dig too. I don't know. Like, you know, so I wanna know when is, um, I want to talk about your writing. Why did you decide to write? I know you told me why you named the book "Dick and Donuts," but why did you decide to become a writer? You write a lot of of genres for Black urban femme lesbians, right? And so, like, what does it, like, what in, in, in inspired you to start your writing career?
1: Yeah. So. I feel like most of the writing that's out about Black people is very historical and very like, you know, this is slavery or urban fiction. Um, And then a lot of writing about queer people is very academic um, and very much, please accept me as a human being, and this is why you scientifically should see me as a human. And because I live with all of those so-called oppressive identities and all of that going on, I wanted to read something funny. I wanted to read something that related to me. I wanted to read something about lesbians that was not academic and not begging straight people to like view me in this heteronormative acceptable way. Right? Um, And that's the other thing, many queer writers and many black writers, queer writers be writing for straight people all the fucking time. Black writers be writing for white people all the time. I didn't want to write for them. And at first, folks that were going to publish my book their thing was well you need to explain what a stud is and you need to explain this you're like no the fuck i don't (laughs) exactly and i ain't gonna because you got google same google as me and if you don't know, then maybe this book isn't for you, but also I've read plenty of fucking books that
0: I and had to, to go look, to look up the, the term or whatever they were talking about. Cause I wanted to know more about it.
1: Exactly. Exactly. That writer didn't bend for my identities. So if mm-hmm. you want to know what's going on over here, if you are curious, if you want to get these jokes, if you want to get this theory, then you're going to Google, you're going to read and you're going to have to figure it out. And so I decided, I like, it was like, who's my audience? And that's also what led to the self publishing because the, the publishers kind of thing was if you're not going to bend, then we don't have an audience for you. Mm-hmm. And I was like, who is my audience? And my audience became 20 year old me. What was the book I needed to read when I was 20? And I just right. wrote for her. And it turns out it's a lot of 20 year old me. <laughs> out okay. Here. So here we
0: are. No, I appreciate you even like delving into that because I, I know that when I was out here, like looking for a publishing home, a lot of people did not want to fuck with me. They were like, "You're very outlandish. This is extremely outrageous. We're gonna get sued." I was like, "Fine, I'll publish it on Medium." <laughs> and then the articles blew up, and people were like, "God damn it!" <laughs> like you know. So you're right. It 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 is like you self select your own audience, and I think that that makes you a more powerful writer. And so, um. I just want to give a shout out to Free, because I haven't seen Free in a very long time. And thank you for joining the show. That makes me feel very warm on the inside. I'm not going to say why. Okay. Um, What do you... (laughs) I flirt terribly. Um, What do you think the relationship is between the revolutionary writer and the revolutionary speaker? Um, The person with the pen versus the person with the bullhorn. You couldn't hear me? Ninkenge. Can you hear me now? <laughs> She's like, I can't hear you. Hold on. Let me see what's going on on your end. I can't hear you. Can you hear me? You can't hear me? Can you do me a favor? Can you hang up and join back again? Let me see if I could type to her in the chat. Hold on one second, y'all. Technical difficulties with all of my folks. Can you hang up and join the call again, fam? I might even have to send this on Messenger. Oh, okay. All right. You've seen it, sis. You've seen it. (laughs) So while we wait for Nkenge to come back, Um, I'm very grateful for folks who are just joining in or for folks who have been here since the beginning. Um, If y'all have any questions for Nikenge, now would be the time to ask. She is the author of Dick and Donuts and she works in Mothering Justice and all the things. And this bitch is connected to audio, so she's back. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Welcome back.
1: A long time, yes,
0: you look amazing. Whatever this light is, keep it gully, keep it gully, keep it gully. I know, but God, Mm, okay. (laughs) So, the question I had asked before you got rudely interrupted by your 5G and your coronavirus was, What do you think the relationship is between the revolutionary writer and the revolutionary speaker? Who the person with the pen and the person with the bullhorn.
1: So, I think that the person with the bullhorn has more freedom to modify and change um, what they're saying based on where they are and based on the information that they have at the time um, and even in the moment. And I also think that the person with the bullhorn has a very um, deliberate job. I'm gonna get on here, I'm gonna move this crowd in this very specific way. The person with the pen, once you write it and you give it out to the world, you no longer own it. So in 10 years, if all of your opinions change, there's no way to even kind of announce that without people in some way um, no longer believing in you. So knowing that once once you put this out in the world, That is gonna become a part of your identity, even as your identity changes. Um, And you also don't have, you also don't come in with such a mission as the bullhorn, right? You come in, I'm gonna give you this theory, these thoughts and what you do with them in the privacy of your home or your bookshelf or whatever, that's your own thing. I'm not moving you to do anything, but join me on this ride. And once the ride is over, what you do with the information is on you. Okay
0: thank you are there any other um are there black lesbian writers or um artists activists that you follow like what does lesbian uh representation look like uh on today's internet streets so here's the thing Uh (laughs) uh-oh uh-oh i feel it coming (laughs)
1: No, no, no. I realize that I'm supposed to say, like, you know, argue, Lord. And I'm going to say all these certain people, right? Not based on you, but based on the, the question of what it is. Okay, but, let us
0: have it. Let us have it.
1: Listen, my favorite queer activist is Young M.A. She ain't shit times three. She ain't shit. I love it, right? I love. Have it. you seen my reenactment me. videos?
0: I know practice word
1: for word. No, I have not. But now I'm going to tag go you. It. I got to go check it out. Because she does not, first of all, she gets on here. She's an artist. She does what she does, right? She does not give in to resp- respectability pro- uh, politics on either side. Like, she's not a good man or a woman. She just out here fucking up. Like, <laughs> all over the place. Like I hate I it here. I don't it. go to the school, bitch. <laughs> I love it. And she's just a fucking mess. There was a recent video, I don't know if you saw um
0: a, f- a fan saw her in traffic and stopped her oh her yeah mother- and then like the cops arrested the fan like yeah i heard about this yeah. but what happened okay. did she hit the so, fan did she hit the fan okay. did she hit her yeah that was my question did she hit her because i heard that the security was trying to like separate the fan from young and May, and then like the cops arrested the fan it was just wild no, no, no. The
1: one I saw, they didn't get wild. They pulled the fan over, and Young and May also pulled over with her crew. First of all, she's drunk as a motherfucking skunk in the day. That bitch stay
0: with Henny your hose, don't you? I love Follow her. It. Follow her. Like,
1: you know, at her core, it's something going on there, and it's like, I want to hug her and heal her, but then she's going to stop being the nigga that she is, so I'm going to just let her keep going. Um, but she stayed there and she's like yelling at the cops and her and she's getting of course the niggas with her, they got an extra show they loyal, so they're yelling too, and they, you know, calling the cops all type of names and going off and she turning the camera on, like, yeah, that's my thing, and we don't leave nobody out, of blah blah. And she's like slobbing drunk, right? And I love it because her activism this bitch ain't was no trainings at all, right? Her activism was, I'm gonna stay with this woman. I'm gonna do the only thing I know how to do in these situations. I get loud, I cuss niggas out. If they weren't cops, I would probably shoot them or try to run up and right. I'm gonna keep my camera going because I know that sometimes, right. sometimes that leads to a bit of a forward move toward a win for us, right? And it was so beautiful, but she's not who you would call to lead any movement and I love people that don't plan inter- to respectability politics, right? I love that she's not, she's nobody's safe gay friend right. either, right? She's not, and I, I love Lena Waites. I'm not against her
0: in any way, except she a cheating ass nigga too, but. Don't go do there because that was my surprise question, I fucking hate you. you take taking over the interview, it's not my show no more. <laughs> <laughs> but as an artist, I appreciate her, but
1: she's, she feels very safe. Like you would take her around some white grantors and still get your check. You can't take young M.A. no motherfucking where She can't even come over while the kids woke, okay? I love it, I love it. You can only see her between the hours of 9.45 and 7.15
0: a.m. I can't say so she's
1: it, my favorite activist right now.
0: <laughs> All right, so we gonna play the game <clears throat> that I had set up for us since you were an asshole anyways. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> where, <laughs> I got some word association, right? I'm gonna say a celebrity's name and you just start speaking whatever comes to mind. Are you ready? I'm so ready. Uh, Lena away. Cheating ass nigga would have played. Okay, that's it. I'm done. That was the game. Thank you for playing. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't expect it to come in so smooth, nigga. <laughs> I told you I was ready. Oh, my goodness. Um. do you have a superpower
1: do i have a superpower yeah i'm able to make studs think that my ideas are their ideas what you mean so like let's say i want to go on a trip right right i have a way of like talking to my partner and asking her something like when is the last time you've been on a trip you don't feel like you deserve one and all of a sudden, she wakes up the and everything. she's like, you know what we should do? And I'm like, what? Tell me your idea that you came up with all by yourself.
0: I feel like you need to show me your ways. <laughs> I've, been, I've been trying to get the same dusty ass nigga to go in Myrtle Beach with me for like four years. So it's fine. It's fine. I
1: got
0: you. I got you offline. You got me offline? All right. Yeah. Um, I think about something else you said um when you were talking about dick and donuts you had written a blog entry and you were like people make the assumption that's just because i talk shit about studs that i must be bitter or that i must be single are you single i'm not single uh yeah i've been in a two-year relationship i know i missed the window opportunity you was like you was done with one relationship i was like hey soldier You're discriminatory against uh, other femme folks, and and I get it. I mean, I'm not judging you. It's fine. (laughs) So you're in a relationship. You've been there for two years. What does love look like for a Black lesbian? Oh,
1: my God.
0: Okay. (laughs) Oh, my God. Okay.
1: (laughs) Because what does it look like? What should it look like? And what does it look like for me are such different questions. Spill the beans,
0: sis. Spill the beans.
1: Yeah, I think for me... Right now, in this space of my life, and this is the best relationship I've been in. Um, I've been given the, I've been given the the protection and the honesty and transparency that I need to be closer to myself, which has allowed us to be closer to one another, right? And so, I've never had this much access to myself, my own thoughts, my own work, my own time,
0: um, while in a relationship. So for me, that's what it looks like now. I need for you to repeat that. You said, I never had this much access to myself. Yes. What do you think is um the shift in that sort of freedom? Is it like, does your partner treat you differently than any relationship you have been in or are you treating yourself differently? Um, I
1: think it's a combination because we met, well, we were friends while I was married and then I got a divorce. Scandal. No, no. No, What's I'm talking with you. But you know what's funny though? I love that it looks like scandal because back when we first started being friends, we would just like like each other's Facebook posts and shit, right? That's how it's smart, don't it? So Pete, my ex, my ex, you know what I'm saying? She said one day we were arguing about something, I don't know what, but, and she just like goes off and was like, yeah, and that little light-skinned nigga with the tattoos on Facebook like you. And I didn't know who the fuck she was talking about, right? And so I like go on Facebook and I see a picture of here now. I thought hair was much younger than she was. And I said, ain't nobody thinking about this young ass little girl. And I was done with it, right? And so after that, we started being friends and shit like that. I got a divorce. Unrelated. Um, but I love that.
0: She's like, there's the clarity, y'all. Nosy ass bitches.
1: <laughs> yes. But I love that I'm like in a bunch of Facebook pictures with the niggas that I told um, everybody not to worry about.
0: <laughs> you like, don't worry. It's just the objects in the mirror are closer than they actually appear yes yes yes
1: yes.
0: (laughs) believe it I'm glad I'm glad to hear this because I feel like you know like we're in the midst of a pandemic in the midst of like um uprisings and like you know I've been talking about a theme of finding pockets of joy and I'm like so happy that you're finding yourself and that you're in a relationship that allows you the freedom to do so so keep it up doing what I can. you doing what you can? I want to talk about your artistry. Nigga, when are you going to send me my fucking coat? Listen, I, I ain't going to lie to
1: you. I ain't put a stick of paint on your fucking coat yet, but when I do... Ain't it cute? It's a cute little jacket, ain't it? it? It's beautiful, and you sent me that shit with your beautiful car right before the world started to do what it's doing, and I put this on my mannequin right now. And I was like, okay, shit going to calm down. We can go back into the world. But you know what? I'm on it. I'm on it, and I need you. I'm not judging you.
0: I really want to talk about your art, though. I'm a, a former associate of mine had introduced me to your art, and was like, "You have to see this," because I feel like this describes who you are so much. And I was like, "What?" And so I'm like looking at your photos, and I was like, "This is beautiful." And I was gifted a jean. It wasn't a jacket. It was a long long sleeve jean shirt oversized jean shirt that said buy me a Basquiat and bitch yeah. I went out here with my pink curls I had a bustier bra on and I had that open with like high waisted leggings you couldn't tell me nothing with some heels I was telling every nigga can you buy me a Basquiat period I saw the pics yes <laughs> so I just need that replicated ASAP thank you <laughs> so where can people find your art
1: so at this point, my art is very exclusive. You gotta reach out to me, and I only make art for Black women. So you just gotta reach out to me directly, and you can get it.
0: Okay. And what? When did you start your your pathway as an artist?
1: So I kind of I've always done art, but when I like went to college, my dad was like, "Art is not real. And if you want me to keep paying your car note, um, you need to pick a real." thing oh, wow. so I picked social <laughs> so I picked social work for car insurance and um just kept on taking art classes and at some point it felt like art classes were kind of stupid like either you got it or you don't right and then um I started writing but at the time I was writing and I was in like bad relationships and I think about being a writer or being an outspoken black woman in general if you're with somebody who has a lot of weak spots they're going con- to continually try to, like, shrink you, right? So as a writer, I kept being shrank, and it would be like, oh, I'm going to write about this. Like, no, that ain't going to make you no money, or you need to write this way or write this way. And so I would paint because nobody kind of had an opinion about that. A lot of times mm. people don't know what the fuck they're looking at at paint anyway. They don't care enough. Right. Things like, if they don't get it, that it's going over their head. So painting was an era to be really free in had all these fucking canvases that were just sitting there. And I also don't like to play into the I don't like to play into that like don't touch things and we just collect it and we don't, like I like everything that, around me to be alive and full of full right. life. So it's like, right. what do I do with this art? If I put it on clothes then it's wearable art and it has a life. It has a story. Like this might be the shirt that you like met your nigga in at the bar. You know what I mean? It won't be the canvas on your it, it won't be the canvas on your wall. So I started making the the art, the wearable art, Elijah Lane stuff, and putting it out into the world. I got a really good response, and yeah, and I kind of slowed down once I started writing because people are annoying about custom work. I like when people see something and they like, do that. Okay, I can do what I did, but I can't do what you're thinking. And so the custom work kind of drained me a little bit, but when folks see the pieces that already exist, I've already done, I can always replicate it.
0: I'm so excited to hear this. Thank you. Now, I want to talk to you about Mother and Justice um, because I already know my coat is about to be fire. <laughs> like, so let's talk about Mother and Justice. What made you get involved in Mother and Justice? Bitch, I didn't even know you had kids. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I love that. Two
1: kids because. I don't know why I did that twice, and it's so weird. I Always like looking, sh- like all my co most of my coworkers are straight, and I'm like, I get why you have kids. Like you were trying to get some dick, like you ain't really do your calculations right, and you ended up with a baby. But I, got I fucked up my stuff.
0: calculations. I ain't I ain't gonna lie to you. I ain't gonna yeah. hold you here because
1: their mama wanted some dick. I can't respect my journey because I went and paid for Sprint first.
0: Oh no, we're losing your um connection. Can you do me a favor? Can you repeat that?
1: Right. First of all,
0: I want to pay for Now I got these two little tests. I have a twelve-year-old. Gay, can you hear me? And a five-year-old well you gotta you gotta repeat all of that I'm bitch i don't know where the fuck you've been going that you've been in the car for 40 minutes okay <laughs> and you still driving where is you going but i'm crossing state lines and shit um you better not have having- no weed on you so you got to repeat the answer because you kind of went out and warble. So um I didn't know you had fucking kids and what um incited you to get involved in mother Injustice? justice. Yeah, so I was
1: working at this place that had all white leadership and I was very outspoken there cuz I was just myself really. And um for 2 years I went to work thinking this going to be the day I get fired, right? And what people don't know about like revolutionary women is that like, yeah, we strong and all that shit hot, but it's very tiring to wake up every day wishing a motherfucker would, like before you get out of bed good. My
0: current situation, boo. (laughs) You
1: just wake up like, and I hope a bitch try me today. Like it's 6.15. I'm like, ooh, I hope
0: he fire me.
1: (laughs) 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 And so I started walking around this, this white people job and saying every day, as much as I could, I'm not working for white people no more. And I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know if that meant I was going to work for myself because, you know, I'm not white people. I didn't know what that meant. I just kept saying, I'm not working for white people no more. I'm tired. And I would justify working for white people by saying, but my clientele is black. The people I'm helping are black. But I don't want to be burdened with whiteness either. You know what I mean? Like, at some point, like, I deserve the care and love that I give my clientele. So, like... Or people that I work with. So I kept saying I didn't want to work for white folks. I didn't even know Mother Justice existed. And so this white woman tells me, like, oh, I know a place where like a black woman is running things. And you know, things can look very different to white people and black people. So I didn't know, I didn't know to believe her that she what she was saying seeing is what I would see when I went there. So I go on there and I look for a job that suits me. And I only take, I've been very blessed that I only take jobs that suit me because if, if I'm not happy doing it, I'm not going to do it. Like, right. Of course I'm not that married to money. And so I saw, I was like, at that time I wasn't the director. I was organizer and I saw an organizer and I was like, with black mamas, ain't no way. So <clears throat> I go to the interview and this woman with locks comes in And she got on just like a nursing t-shirt and some leggings and some flip-flops. And she's like, oh, I'm the ED. I'm like, which of what, right?
0: (laughs) You were were like of the janitorial services? What's going on?
1: (laughs) So then she has this baby and she's interviewing me and she just starts breastfeeding. And she's like, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh. So how do you feel about this?
0: (laughs) I love black femmes. She's like, "Uh uh-huh, go
1: ahead. (laughs) Yeah, she's amazing. And so I'm like, I'm like do do i step out what the fuck happens right like in this moment and she continues to talk and i talk and it was over 15 minutes and i remember i got in the car um i got in the car and called my partner and my partner was like how did it go and i was like oh i ain't get that shit. she i was like she didn't give a fuck to the point she started breastfeeding and it was 15 minutes long right and i think two days later they called me and told me i had the job and i'm also like i go on my interviews talking, how I'm talking to you, so that when this comes up, niggas don't be like, you changed. Like, no, I came here wild as fuck. You was like, you see
0: me out here with my dress and my Black Lives Matter t-shirt? You better mind oh, your business.
1: Oh, and what happened, too. Wow, this is when I knew the shit was over. She, she says, I hope this isn't weird, but I stopped your Facebook. And so I just laughed, because I think oh, you just called me to see if I <laughs> She said that I thought it was over, but She likes, she loves outspoken black women. She is an outspoken black woman. And her work is more political. I'm more like fuck legislators, power to the people. And then we find that medium of, okay, power to the people, but also how do we get some shit on the books?
0: Thank you. And I know I I appreciate it because you reach out to me and like several other black femmes and was like, y'all should get involved in this. And I was like, absolutely not. I read it and I was like voting legislation. (laughs) um but I also think that those things are important to some people and I guess I'm trying to when I say that um when I say Black Lives Matter, I I mean all Black lives, even where it stops at hotepery, or even if it stops at, but we, if we could just make Black people vote, like, you know what I'm saying, like, um, and so that's why I actually, am going through committing to the course, like I'm committing to this conversation. And so I appreciate you for organizing, which on your website, you say, I organize Black women. And like, I wanted to ask you as an organizer, do you ever feel like, Do you ever feel like, as an organizer, do you ever feel like somebody's always trying to, like, out-organize you? (laughs) (laughs) Bitch, we never spoke about, I just got questions. I don't know. I got questions.
1: I feel like motherfuckers want to do what they think I do for the clout, and they want clout. And so I think once people really get into it and realize it's a lot more work than games, then they don't really want to. So do they want to on, uh, on they think they want to, um, but deep down desires, they don't actually want to, you know. Um, yeah. And if they do, I'm not sure. At the end of the day, if you all organize me, we, we still all win
0: thank you for saying that somebody write that down for me if you out organize me we still win that's just that's just amazing to me I appreciate that framing because it's like I I really like that you unpacking the respectability conversation because like look at me I'm all comfortable now I'm like okay she a real hood bitch um so when you start unpacking the respectability conversation I'm like that's what what needs to happen because we get in these rooms and we peacock each other like niggas do like like stri- like straight men do like they posture you know what I'm saying I feel like we peacock each other and we gotta we gotta we gotta prove who's in the room who's who's got what degree who who's been doing shit for the longest and I'm like but is we winning though like you know what I'm saying like is right. we doing it together so I appreciate that yeah
1: and sometimes when people get to running down their credentials. I actually get worried, and that's why, like, I that's why I intentionally do shit like, don't put degrees on bios and shit like that, because, bitch, what does it matter? You're right here right now with me, so right. what does it matter? And when people tell me, you know, I've been 20, 30 years in the game, well, why the fuck you ain't do this work before I got here then, since you have been here with your old ass? Like, I don't <laughs>
0: I'm minding my business. I can't even take part in this conversation because then somebody's going to feel like I'm talking about them. So anyways, I I appreciate your commentary. I think it's very valid. Um, I want to ask you a question that I ask all of my guests. Um, I got to I gotta skedaddle, but I, I wanted to ask you, um, is there something that you would like to talk about that I haven't asked you yet? Or is there something that you surprised I didn't ask you? Um, and then also who would you like to see on the show?
1: I am one second fan the charger. Yeah. I'm surprised you didn't ask me anything about sex. I've never had an interview where lesbianism came up so much and sex really didn't. People always I really
0: try not to sexualize black lesbians. It's not my yeah. it's not my jam. I can
1: appreciate that. I mean I do, but I appreciate you not doing it. Um oh, okay. <laughs> And um, who do I want to see? Let me see, I want to see a Black masculine woman on. I want to see like, they don't ever say shit to me, but what about films? And it's like, nigga, you tell me, I don't know shit. Um, so yeah, I would love to see that.
0: Okay, Um. thank you. Thank you very much for that. I will take that under consideration. I've been thinking about running um a program as part of the show, where like in between the actual episodes, I have small snippets called Speak Now or Forever Hold Your Peace because I'm getting married on July 11th. And I want all my exes to come and just do a brief synopsis, you know? And so I appreciate you. Um, y'all, this has been another episode of the full set. I hope Gay has an amazing evening and we will talk to y'all later. Oh, okay. I was already closing it out, but I was like, we lost. We lost. We <laughs> lost. Sorry, I'm this is this kid. is ghetto. Hi. Double
1: booking mm-hmm. myself and shit. I'm charged. I mean, somebody else's car begging for uh charges and shit. I'm sorry. where
0: would you say? Say hi. 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 That's Egypt. <laughs>
1: so. Yes. I realized. Yeah.
0: Cause you was like, you was to the first baby I had in my arms. You was like, hey, Egypt. I was like, mmm. Egypt made this little hi, no more. Soda. Okay, your soda. Okay. I,
1: in my defense. Lights
0: like, can't people look alike. No, that no, all lights can people look alike. We look alike, sis. So, anyway. <laughs> We do. Um, I love you. I'm so glad we had this conversation. I've been trying to catch up with you for a minute. And um, I hope that you have an amazing evening driving to Tuscaloosa or whatever, wherever you're going to. Okay. Like fucking country ass from Detroit. Like, you know. So I love you and I hope that you have an amazing evening, babe.
1: I love you too. I appreciate your art. And I'm going to send you pictures from my cabin in a few hours.
0: <laughs> Thank you. I'll talk to y'all soon. Peace. Drive safely. We'll
1: right. do.
0: Bye.